Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 116 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Mm, I'm okay. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Wednesday therapy night. It's Wednesday here. therapy night. Work has been absolute atrocious for you. Yeah, yeah um, it's it's been a little a little challenging. It's been a little stressful. It's definitely bled into other things, and uh, you've you've been very good at listening. So that's I appreciate that. So I uh, uh, I, I feel a little un, un, uneven with you right now because I'm actually uh, I'm actually kind of on a, on a pretty decent upswing right now. That's great. Which is which is great. Like I'm gonna ride this as long as I possibly do can, it. You know, do it. As, do it. As, depression with me ebbs and flows. I'm mm-hmm. I'm riding this wave as far as it'll take me. We. Nope. Uh, uh, recently got our um, what was kind of a craft room and like dumping ground for yeah. for the house. Um, got it all picked up and uh, put some installed some storage shelves and stuff of like that. You and I took a trip out to IKEA. We did. Um, you were kind enough to to, to help out with uh, transportation mm-hmm. and such of like that, so we could get our new furniture home. And we entirely redid the room. And so now we have this art studio. You it's rolled like, nat twenties going to IKEA. Oh, we did. Yeah, like because yeah. everything shouldn't have been there, and basically everything you needed was there. We walked out with ninety percent of the stuff, and the ten percent of stuff that we didn't get, we could easily order online. And yeah, it was just little incidental stuff like a seat cushion and some bins. Yeah, um, but major. like all the major furniture was there. You um, didn't have to make any concessions whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was it was everything we wanted. Um, IKEA had this like uh, real cool like room planner mm-hmm. on there that mm-hmm. you just basically type in the dimensions of everything in your room, and it it goes oh, okay, cool. Yeah, here's here's how you can fit everything into it. Yeah, I do like that. And uh, yeah, we 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 came home with pretty much everything we wanted, mm-hmm. and it's it's all redone now. And I've got my painting space all set up. Mm-hmm. Everything is where it should be. It's all easily accessible, and I have been on a painting. You really tear have there. You lately. really have. Have been so um and then just earlier today i don't think i i don't think i even told you this this is new information to you right now uh sean and i ordered a new 3d printer also oh get out we're, we're getting the uh the photon mono x no really get out oh. get out like that's the second one dude all right like... well you can find us on twitter at <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh so you're but... up to three now this this will be your third uh ta- Fourth? Technically fourth. Okay, that's what I thought. We, we had a tiny little FDM printer. Right, right. I remember um, that. And then we got a larger one. Right, right. Okay. That one, is, we're having some weird problems with it. Like, right. it's all miscalibrated. And those, those things are kind of a hot mess anyways. Because yeah. it was clog and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, But the, the, the filament printers. Um, and then we got the Photon. And we're right. doing most of our printing on the Photon. Especially, right. like, miniatures and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. such a fine quality. And uh, now we're we're upgrading it to a, to a Mono X, which is a much larger bed. And gets a... About three to four times faster printing. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm interested to see what comes up. Is is this the one that's going to do the horses? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I assume we're going to be using this moving forward. Oh, okay. That's um, going to be your primary? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, especially because you can fit so many things on the bed. Nice. It's got a much larger printing bed to it. So. Nice. Nice. Um, like, I printed four... Um, resin uh bases for some like guard miniatures that i'm i'm putting yeah, yeah, together yeah. and um uh it, it took like I, I i almost couldn't fit all four bases on the bed with their supports your and, current and stuff one yeah, like yeah, yeah yeah so it was um we, we really kind of need it with, no, with the amount no of doubt, printing no we're doing and stuff like that and of course if i'm gonna go as absolute nutso with making all the stuff for the game and stuff yeah 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 i, I was kind of freaking out though um and, and this is one of the things that kind of precipitated all this is because uh we're as, as you know we're, we're making the move to savage worlds mm-hmm. um coming up and uh i started looking at some of my old game notes right and because i i'd actually prepared a lot of the plot that you guys are going to be moving into before you did the whole poppy king plot mm-hmm. because i didn't know which direction you guys were going to go no, so, so you had I, the outlines ready to go. Yeah, I, I had to have it all written out. Um, and it for a, for, a, for a hot second there, it actually looked like you were going to be going to this particular town mm-hmm. instead of to the one you did. Mm-hmm. So I, I got pretty in-depth with writing things down. Like, there's there's fully formed plot there, you know? Right, right. But this was all under the guise of D&D. So, of course, I had written it out like D&D encounters. Right. Who were you going to fight and where and why? Right, right. 
And so now that we're moving to Savage Worlds and we've got this much broader toolkit to uh, do social encounters and like... Conflict in general. Conflict in general, you mm-hmm. know, chase scenes and yeah. like dramatic tasks and mm-hmm. just a, a, such a broad toolkit to do so many different things with it. I realized that my writing being how am I going to string combat encounters together to make this interesting for you uh, is no longer a valid way of writing. And I need to be prepared for everything now. Like, yeah. I need to have city guards. I need to have three or four different types of, you know, variety of monsters that you may or may not fight. Mm-hmm. Um, because depending on how you deal with them, you may turn into a chase scene instead that's, of a that's fight true. scene. You know? That's true. All perfectly valid. Um, I, I And I don't know where encounters are going to happen. I can't guide Again, that quite as much anymore. I, I, think, I think you're going to feel this out. I think it's going to change, but I I feel where you're at because that's a lot of places where I'm at with 7C. Where you just kind of feel like you have to write everything because any of it could but be... Again, what you're, what you're, you're over-analyzing the situations again. You're getting back to your old things. I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Is I'm, not, I'm not writing the scenes out. Okay, What I'm saying I need to have prepared is things like miniatures. Oh, all right, okay. all right, fair, so fair. if you fair. guys get in a tussle with person A, I need to have them and their guards ready. If you guys okay. get in a tussle with person B, I also need to have those minis ready. You if know? we want to do it as a tactical fight each time, yes, that is true. Or, or, or whatever, because I don't know how you guys are going to navigate the plot, you know? But so you I need can to decide whether or not we need tactical minis for everything. Y- Rob. You can decide not to. Rob, I'm I have a brand in- new studio i have a break it's not it's not a craft room anymore rob it's a studio all right all right all right, all right. i'm gonna use it fair enough i'm gonna ride this wave fair <laughs> of enough. enthusiasm fair as enough. far as it will take me and we're gonna get some beautiful miniatures and some beautiful scenery out of it all right and when that plot unfolds and i am prepared for it when it happens and i yeah. pull out a fully kitted out terrain board with painted minis you're gonna be like i see where you were going with that a month and a half ago and i'm just gonna say to our audience you don't have to live up to sarah's expectations you don't have to be sarah jakabowski you you (laughs) you don't have to but if you want to it's fun (laughs) sometimes being me is okay what i'm gonna say is sarah jakabowski ain't shit yeah well okay i i am not a standard to live up to that's right that's right wait here we are yes so this week we decided to kind of break down even further than we normally go and actually talk about some of the mechanics of plot. Yeah. One in particular is people, um, and I was actually read a little bit about this on online. I was seeing how many people actually were talking about it. And there's quite a few um, that when terms like plot hooks or linchpins or breadcrumbs come up in conversations, there's a lot of people who don't know because they don't. They didn't come from a writing background. Mm-hmm, they didn't mm-hmm. come from a story uh, development background or a literature background, and they kind of. And even if they did, they don't necessarily know how that fits into tabletop. Yeah, and and especially for 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 new storytellers too. Like it's one thing to write a plot. Like a lot a lot of people can come up with a story, but the problem is, is then you've got these players that are these elements of chaos. Yes. And how do you get the players to move through your story in a way that you kind of want them to? Mm-hmm. That will get them from point A to point B, and not from point A to point epsilon. You know, where well, they're where they're like off the plot because they didn't know what where to go, or you misled them, or you know, right. So we're gonna go with the 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 basic one, the thing that really. Uh, is the key to opening into any game, and that is a plot hook. Mm-hmm. Now, a plot hook is like it sounds. It's a device that pulls the player, or in writing the reader, into a plot or dramatic storyline. It's often like a scene or or some kind of an episode that's really short that acts as a turn in the direction mm-hmm. for whatever the events are and forces them into doing something. So there's an action that's involved with it. Yeah. Um. So... Like, by namesake, it's a hook. It's drawing something. So think of, like, fishing. Yeah. You're going to reel them in a particular direction. Correct. Correct. Um, There's some basic components to it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you break it down, and that is you need to grab their attention. Yep. You know, and you need to make sure it's obvious what's, what's in it. You need to give them an action. 
Yes. So really, those three things is all it is, and you can keep it very simple in a scene. And and action action is the big thing here. Like mm-hmm. you really like the. Uh, it's not a plot hook if they don't look at the event or you know what whatever happened, whatever you're using as a plot hook, and if they don't look at it and go. Oh, we got to do something about that, right? You know, and you know, keeping in mind that these don't need to be immediate. Like you don't, it's it's a plot hook doesn't necessarily mean they have to drop exactly what they're doing right that moment and act on it. Sometimes they do. Well, Oftentimes they do. It, about they don't have to act on the plot, but the scene calls action. So, for instance, um, a, an example that you could give is uh, they see someone across the street. That person, you know, looks a little shady or maybe questioning, but what they do notice is that the person has a flower on their lapel, which matches the flowers found at the scene a couple nights ago where someone died Mm -hmm. that they were investigating. And that person, as soon as they notice them, just turns and starts walking straight toward them. And what that person doesn't recognize is a car is barreling down the street and is going to impact them. Mm -hmm. So you've got a scene where clearly... They're being drawn into a plot. They see an individual. That individual has meaning. That individual has a moat, uh, a a a uh, uh, a plot device mm-hmm. that connects them with events. And there is an action occurring within the scene that forces them to do something. Mm-hmm. It's not a challenge. That shouldn't be a challenge per se. It should be a call to an action that they do. Do they try and save him? Do they? Do they, you know, do they save themselves and step out of the way? And they're like, oh, great. Now we've got a dead guy that we have to figure out things about. Mm -hmm. Like, how is he connected? But either way, it connects them to something. You know, it's the dying guy, you know, who in his last breath says, give this to Matilda. And you're like, okay, who the hell's Matilda? But now we got to find out because this dying guy just gave it to us. Right, 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 right. What I'm I'm saying, though, is that you don't you don't have to. It does not have to be an immediate uh, immediate action um, uh, for for what they're doing. Like two examples I can think of, um, one from my game, one from yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my game, um, for those of you who are familiar with the the the, uh, with Skyrim, uh, Mm -hmm. I gave Meridia's beacon to your character. You did. And what you did was you went. Damn it! And you shoved it in your pocket. Yeah, and, and you said we're going to deal with you later. Yep. But that's a plot hook. That was a plot hook. One hundred percent plot hook. You looked at it. Is it is a it is an inciting event. Uh, I looked at an object. The object spoke to me. Spoke to you. Get, you know, told me effectively some things, and then you know said I'll be waiting, and I went, okay. Boop. <laughs> and put it in your pocket, and it has been in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. It's been on your to do list. It has been, but. That is a plot hook. It, was. It, it is. It is getting action out of you, albeit that action is a month or two later. Yes. Very in, in deliberate. Very, very, very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, from your game, mm-hmm. uh, there was a character who looked very much like mine. In mm-hmm. fact, was practically living my life. Indeed. Answering to my name. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I found her murdered. You did. And with her dying breath, she told me that uh, who did it to her. Yes. And... My interaction with her was very pleasant mm-hmm. up to that point. Um, and so uh, I immediately wrote the name of her murderer down on my shit list. Mm-hmm. And that's a plot hook. It is. Now, I did not immediately leave what we were doing to go hunt Balgren down. Nope. But he's on the list. Yep. And when we get around to him, mm-hmm. that plot will be resolved <laughs> with icy fury. Indeed. Indeed. So uh, when so again we're these are things uh, that you will use to help your players get involved in your plots. Um, they don't have to be grand; they can be a very simple entry point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, the entry point may not have direct reference to your plot. It may be just an individual that was caught on the peripheral edge of it that draws them in. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of good stories start from. Uh, edges that don't make sense. Uh, a, a, you know, a bag falls out of a speeding vehicle. Okay? The bag is full of money. That doesn't happen every day. A list of names. And a very odd dagger. And you're like, okay, well, we just got money and a list of names. Mm. But one of the things you note on there is the name of a constable. Who you're very good friends with. Constable Odo? Yes. I'm watching you, Quark. Is he in trouble? 
did the, is this money bound for him? Did he just have money taken from him? I mean, mm-hmm. what do you do? I don't know. So it hooks you into the plot and starts things up, but it's not like that had anything to do with anything. In fact, that vehicle was just one of the gang members' vehicles, and he didn't secure that bag very well. Yep. Wasn't meant to land in your lap. You weren't meant to be part of this problem. You but know, it's an inciting incident. You know, some dude has a couple guys really want his car, so they show up at his house and kick his butt and kill his dog <laughs> and steal his car. Yep. That's an inciting incident. It can be considered a plot hook. Yep. <laughs> well, it definitely it definitely hooked him. Drew him right into the plot where yep. nobody wanted him. Yep, exactly. And those are the kinds of plots that you get that get funnier and funnier because that's those are the plots that did not want the hero. <laughs> now, I want to I want to kind of like put a put a little sort of caveat on on the whole. It needs to be obvious. Okay. Thing, because um, I, I there's there's a balance. I agree. Okay. I agree. Um, so, I think a lot of a lot of your plot hooks are the, the 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 success of your plot hooks and how they land not only in your characters but on your players. One hundred percent. Okay. Agree. Is in how you deliver them. Yes. Okay. And I am going to dispense to you probably the oldest GM tip I have ever received. Literally, this is one of the first things taught to me when I first started storytelling at the age of like what thirteen or something like that. Oh, and, that was the, and that was the illusion of free will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where the illusion of free will is, basically, it sounds really super sinister. Um, but it is uh, basically means that your players should never feel like they've been hooked into a plot hook. Mm-hmm. You always want to present things in such a way that they feel like it is their idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the main important thing about this is because players play role-playing games because they want to have agency. Yes. But they want to have control of their character and their decisions within the span of your story, within the span of your of your imaginary world. Yep. And so this is kind of where the term railroading comes in. And this is why mm-hmm. railroading is a bad thing, because it removes a player's agency. Yeah, if, you... they can, if they feel like they aren't making the decisions. Exactly. Exactly. So... The, the the whole trick to plot hooks is you do want them to, the inciting incidents to to be obvious. You know you don't want to be subtle about it. You want them to look at what just happened and go, "We need to do something about that." Mm-hmm. But you never want to be so heavy handed with it in such a way that um, you tell them they have to do something about it. Yeah. So the middle ground is you have to drop it in their laps, nice and heavy, and then go, "What now?" Yeah. Okay, so someone just, uh, you know, broke into your house, smashed a bunch of your crap, and killed your dog. What now, John Wick? Yeah. Y- you you decide. This mm-hmm. is your game, mm-hmm. you know? No, obviously, there's only one thing a trained assassin John Wick is going to do about that, and that's unbury a bunch of his guns and go kill a bunch of people. Yep. But you leave that up to John Wick's player. Right. You know? And you give him the illusion of, I mean, again, as a storyteller, you know what's going to happen, but maybe you don't, you know? You don't necessarily know how he's going to do it, but you know he's going to get involved. But you've given him the inciting incident, and you've given him a few options as to what he can probably do about it, and you can predictably know that he's going to go and, you know, visit some retribution upon upon these people. Right. And, and, And your story continues there, you know? And one of the things that I want to say about that, I'll bring back up later, is that is preparing that character, that player, for that moment. So I guess the real question is, how do we get there? How do we get to that plot hook moment? How do we make sure that our hooks don't feel like they're abrupt? Like they're they're like they're being thrust. It's not like they literally sat down in a pub, started having a conversation with somebody, and the guy takes an arrow to the head, and they're like, "We don't know who this guy is. I'm fucking out of here." Mm-hmm. You know that doesn't help anything. But if they're already part of a guild or a military unit, or or maybe they're they have an employer already, yeah, sure, that starts that relationship with them that they already have some kind of. A feed into it. So if they're yeah. session zero, maybe they're, or even they're another session zero, but they're session one, they're milk run with that, mm-hmm. with started into things. Maybe session two leans back on that. The people they know, the rep, you know, the, the representation. Now, if your players are all 
role players with histories with their characters and they've got established people within the community they already work with that kind of gives them some vetting to say these things that these things you know things that these people say have meaning and weight to me sure sure and therefore they're already laying into it i mean i i I think this is a great thing to to establish during during your session zero is is some sort of a group that your players belong to that may have some authority over them Mm -hmm. um you know and uh, we we all love to do the whole like random adventurers show up in a in a tavern together and stuff like that. But um, to me, that was never a great plot hook because it, it depends way too much on the uh, the players to have their own solid motivation coming from literally nothing. Right. You know, they don't even know any of the other adventurers or anything like that, and mm-hmm. all suddenly they're they're going to trust their lives to one another to go hunt some goblins or something. Yeah. Never made much sense to me. So, like, during my session zero, that's why I, I said, okay, you guys are all members of the Fighters Guild or Mages Guild. Mm-hmm. Immediately gave me a hook into all of you. Mm-hmm. Because you now have a person who has authority over you who says, hey, we're going to pay you to do this job. Mm-hmm. Because you belong to our organization, and this organization does these kinds of jobs. Boom. Plot hook. Yep. It's nice. simple. It's clean. It's elegant. Yep. Tales old as time. Yep. And that puts them into feeling motivated. Mm-hmm. They're already going to start going and being invested. So if something happened to the guild, the place where they eat, sleep, do whatever they're doing, yep. and or maybe it's a family that they're working for, mm-hmm. or maybe if you're starting something similar, like, like I go back to my high school, maybe it's their clique, yeah. you know? That all their little friends in the clique, maybe a teacher they like or something like that, has something happen to them. You've already established a good motivation, an interest. So then it's a matter of feeling out that motivation. What are they going to do? How much are they willing to risk? Right. And and that's that's really kind of where you start getting into, like... Uh, feeling out there, getting them motivated to 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 pursue things on their own is a is a a uh, quotient of how invested they are in the thing you're getting them to chase after. Um, and so if you really want to be able to sink hooks into things, you really need to get them invested in things, people, places, things, ideals. Um, the more invested anybody is in a particular thing, the more. Um, they will want to protect it. The more they will move to um, further its goals, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, uh, for instance, um, back in the days of Vampire the Masquerade, mm-hmm. uh, we there, there's a there's a merit and flaw system in yes. that game. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the merits you could get uh, was true love. Yes. And we always called that the true love flaw, right? Instead of the merit, correct? Because Bad storytellers, which mm-hmm. was most of them, mm-hmm. um, would use that immediately. Like that, your true love would immediately be kidnapped, harassed, mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm. killed. Yep. Like it, you just painted a target on them. You were mm-hmm. supposed to be be able to use them as like a source of willpower in yep. trying times. Never turned out that way. Yep. Never turned out that instantly kidnapped. Yep. But you keep in mind though that that's they they do that because that's a good plot hook. Mm-hmm. Because you're invested in that uh, that other person, you care about that 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 NPC. Well, you're you're personally involved. It yeah. was it was literally bought and paid for with character points. Number one, number two, you've taken the time to figure out who that person is, why you guys are together, all you know, what kind of motivations they have for you. Well, yeah, from an out of character standpoint, but from an in character standpoint, that's mm-hmm. your wife or husband Correct. or, or yeah. you know yeah. your your partner. Like that's. So it, it, it does a double investment on that. Yeah. On those yeah, you, kind of you, hits. You've got double investment on, on both the player and the character. And yeah. so, you know, I, I I guarantee you kidnap that person. Well, that's an instant plot hook. They will drop mm-hmm. whatever they are doing to go and, to, to go and see to that. Yeah. Now, I, I got to say, though, please learn from all those other storytellers fail. Mm-hmm. Like, be careful using overusing this one. Yeah. It, I, I'm telling you it's an easy plot hook. But it's super easy to abuse, and it has a bad side effect yeah. of people avoiding attachments. Yes. Because they know those attachments are instantly going to become liabilities for them. Mm-hmm. And you will soon get those, like, uncaring, robotic, like, let them fight their own war, you know, style style characters. See, I come from the land, you know, from the Seven Sea side, which is, you don't bring the fight home. Mm-hmm. That's not only rude, it's disrespectful. So there are the times when, like, your character comes back in and, you know, comes at, comes home 
and sitting in your living room having a cup of tea is the villain. Yeah. Just casual. No other henchmen there. Nothing. Just them and your wife having a lovely conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I met, you know, you know, the, the Lord, his lordship. Oh, and I know, you, you, uh, you know Bobby, too? Bobby? Yeah. You call him Bobby? We've, we're old friends now. Yes. Master Robert Pendergrast, as I know him. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But at that point, the tension is still in the room. Mm-hmm. It hasn't left. Yeah. You know, you you both know where you're at in that space. Yeah. And it, it can be stressful, but at the same time, there's a level of respect to it. That happened in a John Woo film. I was like, it had Chow Young Fat in it. Yeah, or maybe it wasn't a John Wood film, but I know it was Chow Young Fat mm-hmm. in in the uh, in, in in the movie, and um, he was being a bodyguard for like a blind girl or something like okay. that. Okay, and the villain showed up in her house, yeah. and of course she was blind, so she couldn't see that it was the villain. Right, and was like, he said he was an old friend, so he was yeah. having tea and yeah. stuff like that. And he comes in, and there's this really tense scene where they're like got guns on each other, mm-hmm. and but, but she's she can't all, see. She can't see any of the hostility, so they're all keeping it out of their voice. Right. And having a very pleasant conversation while threatening each other's lives. It was brilliant. I love those moments. I yes. love those moments. Um, my whole thing is that uh, is don't walk your plot hooks early. Take your time with them. Your players are going to be looking for them. And if you just immediately open up your game with a hard hook, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of shows your hand instantaneously and your hunger for getting them into the plot. Give it a an episode or two, throw some light things in front of it. Get them invested in where they are, especially the setting that they're in. Mm -hmm. If you're planning on doing a story that's happening in a town, dude, take three or four episodes to really let them enjoy the town and get them to know the setting, especially if it's a challenging setting that they're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I think that um, the the most recent uh, game that Sean was running, the D&D game, even though it was a a module, the... um, uh, what the heck is Waterdeep it? Dragon Waterdeep, Dragon Waterdeep, thank you. Yeah, yeah. My brain couldn't think of the town. Um, this kind of gets you established in the town before really even stepping into the plot. Knox says, The Killer. Yes, that's exactly the movie I'm talking about. The there Killer. You thank you so much. I could not remember the name of that movie for the longest <laughs> time. You are a saint. Yeah. Right. So so the idea is is that you you want your P, your players to be invested. Give them something like Shadowrun does a great job of this. Uh-huh. You can literally run them on a couple of jobs that have literally nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. They're going to be searching for what the actual plot is every single time they run on a job. They're gonna they're going to be looking for it. But really, they're just getting comfortable with the game. They're getting comfortable with the rules. Yeah. They're getting comfortable with the setting. Yeah. They're getting comfortable with their Johnson. And then you know, fifth episode, the Johnson takes a bullet to the head, and you're like, oh. Where did that come from? Welp. And now there's a new Johnson. But now maybe they're invested. But again, but they were invested. maybe they're invested in that in that, that old Mr. Johnson. So now something happens. When he takes a bullet to the head, a cu- at least a couple of those runners are going to take that personally. Yeah. They're going to be like, you you killed the old Mr. Johnson. Well, here's the old Mr. Johnson. I'm the new Mr. Johnson. Do you want some new Ian or what? Yeah. You know? and, and the other thing is, is that can they even meet in that bar? Did the bar get capped? Yeah. And so now the story continues and other runners have been hit. Mm-hmm. Shoot, like, why? Like, what other runners? Like, what job didn't we take or what job did he tell us about that we didn't know what we now have info on? Yeah. You know, and yeah. that starts bleeding into the story. Now, see, that's that's getting a little bit closer to breadcrumbs. But right. We'll, but we'll get there. So but we'll get there. But that's, you know, as we're talking about it, so always take your time with your stories. Mm-hmm. Let your players enjoy the setting. Let them enjoy the theme. Get them come, which we'll be talking about in a couple weeks, I think. We, we, we've got a, we've got it penned out where whether your players are, it's meant to be a lighthearted game, whether it's meant to be a very, you know, a gruesome, tight game, whether your players are meant to be very, you know, heroic and doing things in a thematic way. Sure. Let them get comfortable with that. Yeah. Give them things to do so that when the plot hits, they already know the feeling going yeah. into the story. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I took you guys on what, like a two a two session milk run. Uh and then there was kind of a sub story of going to hunt this big uh this big troll. Yeah. 
Uh, and on that, I breadcrumbed the, the Poppy King plot. Yep, you breadcrumbed a few people. And then when you came back from that, there was one other thing, because we had a new player in the game, and I wanted him to get used to the combat mechanics and the group dynamics. Mm-hmm. And then once we did that, then I dropped the hard hook on you guys. So it was like, I don't know, eight sessions in before I before I hard hooked you guys on that? Maybe yeah. more? Yeah, so... No, definitely. Um, and the okay, so the other, the other, the other big thing, the other great, great source of plot hooks, and I think this is this is probably a pretty well known one, but mm-hmm. like, man, I can't stress the importance enough is backstories. Yeah, personal involvement. You don't have to do any of the work to get somebody invested in stuff that they've already written down and said. My character is invested in these things. You know, mm-hmm. ask for backstories from your players. Get backstories from your players. Stay on them about it. Now, some of them are going to not want to be bothered with it. Some of them may not know. And that's mm-hmm. and that's fine. I've got a couple of characters in my in my game have never handed me a backstory. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've ever handed me a backstory. Uh, I wrote something very light. Nothing nothing written, I don't think. Uh, there was a small write-up. It was, was, it, it was, was very small. Very, okay. very small. Um, but, it, but mostly because I think a lot of people didn't know the setting very well, and they, they were, didn't feel comfortable writing a backstory in the setting. I was waiting, basically, to fill in a hole. Okay. So. Okay. Um, but I did have like one player who handed me a pretty reasonable backstory, like mm-hmm. two, two pages or so. Yeah. And, uh, I, I took a look at it and I said, okay, these are the things that obviously the character cares or this, this player cares about, mm-hmm. you know, he wants these elements to be part of his character's story. And in there, it said that some bandits had burned down his village and killed his mother. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I know knowing where my plot was going, I said, okay, what, do you have any ideas where this village was? Uh, no, it could have really been anywhere. Okay, it was in the Colovian Highlands. Okay. Do you know the name of the bandit that killed that that uh, you know did all did all this? No, nah, just some some random guy. Okay, his name is Mogrub. Yep. That's what I need. That's what I need your major takeaways to be here. Yep. He says, okay, Mogrub, got it. He's some random dude I may run into later, and becomes the main villain of my plot mm-hmm. for a good while. Yep. You know. Uh, and. I mean, when when we finished up that plot, that player turned to me and said, "Shit, I could walk away right now." Yeah. Like literally, my my character's like his goal is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've I've achieved a few more goals along the way, so don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna leave. I absolutely mm-hmm. have more things to do with this character, but like the short term thing that I mm-hmm. set out to do is done. Like I I got my Dread Pirate Roberts revenge, you know. Um. And it's it's great. You get instant involvement with that. All I had to do was say, "Oh yeah," and this guy's name is Mogrub, and like one of my players was frothing at the mouth to kill him instantly. Yep. yep. So, so one of the things that uh, Knox asked was, uh, "Could you link everybody with a brand or a curse?" And yeah, totally. Like, there's all kinds of linkage you could do. Everything from they're all part of the same company, uh, you know, militarily or otherwise. Um, Maybe they all are commonly cursed, but from different areas. Maybe they all have the same. Uh, maybe they were all thrown out of the same area, so therefore they're all branded with some kind of a mark that they can never return. I uh, I, I had a past campaign uh, ran in D and D three five that um, everybody was chosen of the gods. There you go. You know the the, the gods, the, the light gods and the dark gods have it out every thousand years, mm-hmm. and they decided that uh, yeah, we're going to use mortals to do that for us. Yeah, and I mean, I've done it. I did it with the school. Mm-hmm. Everybody was part of the school, yep. so you were all friends in school. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, I want to get into breadcrumbing before we we run out of show here. Um, so there is a difference between plot hooking and breadcrumbing, mm-hmm. and breadcrumbs are the smaller. And I use the word devices because they could be an object, or they could be a scene, or they yeah, could sure, be an event. Sure, they're, they're a um, lot like clues, basically. Yeah. That are sprinkled in as intrigue that lead to a plot, just like breadcrumbs in a fabled story. Like, one is a breadcrumb, two starts to make a trail, and when you have a dozen, you know, M&Ms leading off into the distance, you now have a trail that leads you somewhere. And that's what breadcrumbs are meant to do, is they're meant to make a larger thing when they're pulled together. Um, They aren't calling for action. There is no need for action out of the breadcrumb themselves. They should always be something that connects with a previous something. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hardest things that I think most people have with breadcrumbs is breadcrumbs are a lot like, or should be really more like jigsaw puzzles. 
yeah. in this fact that they you should they should always have a connection point. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't just be dropping down a random of this and then a random of that and a random of this because your players will never know how those are connected. Right. Right. Now, if your players are already on a huge plot. Maybe a dash of something here and there is not so bad, but it is always best to have them connected one to the next or to each other so that they make a larger image as they gain them. Yeah, the, the, the the goal of breadcrumbs is to drop something in front of them that seems innocuous in and of itself, but when it either keeps showing up or shows up in such a way as to lead, um, uh... To, like, extrapolate a certain Mm -hmm. vector, you know? So, like, it's leading in a certain direction or it's progressing. Like, you see a small thing, then you see a slightly larger thing, then you see a slightly larger thing than that, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, these are getting worse or they're getting bigger, you know? They're growing in intensity. Colors are a great way of doing that. So if all of the bad guys seem to have red, and then you start seeing red sashes, and then you notice that there's a a red banner by one of the possibly antagonistic leadership guys like, with a mark a on it. Are these red jerks all serving this guy? Exactly. You know, and boom, breadcrumbs. You've just breadcrumbs your way into a plot. Right. So what bre- you, the, the end goal of breadcrumbs is to drop enough of them that it looks like an arrow pointing in a direction. Mm-hmm. You want your players to eventually, after two or three, probably three, 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 three to five breadcrumbs, go... Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. I see what's going on here. And then they feel like damn geniuses, or at least yep. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do I have a favorite example of breadcrumbing? Um, probably, but nothing comes off the top of my head. Oh, I'm um, to think of an example for my game, how I've breadcrumbed you guys. I know I've done it in 7C a few times to get people to go, <gasps> and I love hearing the, 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 the giant suck in when someone connects the dots. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of, I kind of breadcrumbed you guys with the with the Poppy King's bandits, mm-hmm. um, because on a completely separated plot, you guys ran into some bandits that were yep. trying to shake you down. Yep, and you got a little involved with them. Um, you ended up not killing them and talking to them, so you got some information out of them and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. about who who they were and why they were there. Yeah, and on the surface, they looked like just a complicating factor to the whole troll plot. You yes. Know? Um, on surface, yeah. But then well, you guys got back to town, and the count summoned you and said, "Hey, great job with you know the whole troll thing. You guys seem like you're really put together. I want you to take care of this other thing. There's these bandits, and they're organizing. And now suddenly that that breadcrumb looks like, oh, we've seen this before. We we know exactly what this guy's talking about, right? Um, so I mean, it was only one breadcrumb, really." But it, it was at least like a teaser. It was kind of a hinting in that direction, but it, it didn't it didn't really get to that whole like three to five encounters before you guys put together. No, yourself. you actually had more than that. You had uh, mission shipments that were that were not making it from north from the north. Mm-hmm. You had um, people talking about getting sacked by these bandits mm-hmm. because they were you know they were effectively organized. We then met with some of the bandits who who basically said, "There's no one taking care of us." Mm-hmm. except the guy who's organizing us. Yeah. So you had a three-point breadcrumb to a larger plot, which was okay. obvious. Okay, yeah, I guess I, guess I wasn't, I wasn't then, counting on those other clues as breadcrumbs, but you're, now that you mentioned them, you're right. handed yeah. us the hook, uh-huh. which we were then invested in. Right. So you had painted the breadcrumbs to give us a hook that we became invested in, and that is a good way of breadcrumbing. A good, a good way to breadcrumb is make inciting events that seem Innocuous. like they're leading somewhere, yeah. and then put in the hook... Of someone saying, we have a problem, I need you to go take care of this thing, and you know, your players already know the thing is bigger than the person is talking about. Because you've seen all the breadcrumbs scattered right. around, and you're like, oh, right. yeah, yeah, this is a huge problem, actually. Yep. 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 So, that's a great way of using breadcrumbs that lead to a hook. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, no. Well done. Well done. I, I think I think one of, the, one of the better examples of breadcrumbing is like... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of TV shows will drop hints to future events and stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, I, I think that's, I think those are those are really good. Like we've been re- rewatching Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and Breaking Bad is is really good for like dropping like things from the last episode mm-hmm. as completely innocuous scenes in the first you know the, the first handful of episodes, or like right. the very first thing you'll see in an episode is thirty seconds of what's going to happen in the last episode. 
Yeah. But also there's there's lots of little like hints and call forwards. Mm-hmm. Um there's a uh a scene um and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler and this is a little maybe a little graphic, but there's a scene in the the end of the second season where uh somebody ODs mm-hmm. and uh ends up choking to death on on their own vomit. Right. And there's two scenes prior to that. Mm-hmm. One where um they're putting the newborn baby in the crib. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of making a fuss over how the baby's going to lay. And they said, no, 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 turn the baby on its side. So if it, if it, if he spits up a little bit, you know. It doesn't have a problem. And then as the two of the, the those characters are going to bed, the one actually who ends up dying says to the other, no, no, baby, lay on your side in case you throw up. Yep. And. They're the ones who die. So it's a. It's a. Almost a checkoffs in that yeah, sense. Almost very, a che- very yeah. similar. And, and breadcrumbing can often feel that way. Um, I would definitely say that it sits in other stories where um, I think Firefly did a good job of this uh, with the main, uh, like, uh, not the band, not the bandit guy, effectively, who was doing the side jobs for them, but the uh, the main kind of villain of uh, Firefly, uh, uh, the, the the guy who tortured Mal in the Z- end. Zerga or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. They breadcrumbed. About his people, his about yeah. bad jobs that they had from, how terrible of a person he was, mm-hmm. until he shows up, until yeah. he becomes a problem. Yeah, and it's like you realize how bad everything is, and, and and it's now a serious issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 when when he does show up, he's already got gravitas mm-hmm. because his reputation preceded him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so those that's... those are good. Those are good. Yeah, absolutely. So and and breadcrumbs are meant to be subtle. Mm-hmm. They're meant to sit at the edge of things. Um, and I think, uh, I think if you, again, do them right with a hook at the end, your players feel like they know more than the hook is even showing. And yeah. that's the best part about it. I think that's a great way of describing it too, is it's, it's, it's almost like the, 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 the breadcrumbs are the bait that leads up to the hook. Yeah, no, that's a great way of doing it. That is a great way of doing it. But I, I love it when players think that they know more than the story uh-huh. is leading on. Like, oh, I know what's going on Oh, with I've this. already pieced it all together. And you're yeah. like, you're just following breadcrumbs, dude. But, and the thing is, is that that happens a lot in TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch things, and you're like, oh, I remember this and this. And now they're talking about this. That means this is going to happen next. Yeah. And maybe you're right and maybe you're wrong. Those are breadcrumbs. But you're already sold on waiting exactly. to see what happens next. Exactly. Same thing happens in, in storytelling and mm-hmm. for games so you want to hit some questions before we close out yeah i do i do because we got a couple of really good questions here and we got uh, plenty of time to answer them yes uh all right so overwatch asks uh players snagging the plot hook you want versus them just grabbing onto some random something and holding on with the fervor of a cat over a bathtub that's an image yeah how do you communicate to players that they are hitting pay dirt or obsessing over a random vase or chair for critical role oh, players. Oh man! Do you have any favorite tricks for letting them know that they are in uh, on the right track? Um, a few times I've literally had to tell them, you know, a, a stick is a stick. Yeah, because it's gone too far. And other times I've let them lean into that stick so far that it became part of the plot. Yeah, I think I think those are those are actually your two solutions. I've I've seen you do both, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I I know exactly who you're talking about with yep. the stick that you made part of the plot. Yep, uh, the Shadow Man, right? Correct. Yes, he was he was meant he was to a be throwaway character that became a major player. Well, not only did he become a, like then that was one of the things was he actually became a side plot. Uh huh. But he was attached to the main plot. He was always available because he was interesting. That player wanted him to be around. Mm-hmm. And so I made him available. Yeah. Sure, why not? Some weird, scary, Jack Skellington-looking fae. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we can't get rid of him now. Yep, now now, now, now you're invested. Mm-hmm. Now you're invested. So. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I, I've, I've, I've also done that where... Um, uh, I, I don't know that I've, I've really gone so far as just make things a, a part of the plot. I, I, I kind of have an aversion to that of like, I don't want this to be part of the plot, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I have actually stopped my players before and been like, all right, I'm 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 going to step in as the storyteller. Y'all are barking up the wrong tree. This is nothing. Like, please stop devoting hours of time to this. Us we trying only to play take once- care of uh, the one town was, I think, of something. Uh, we were trying to figure out how, how best to uh, fl- to take to take care of. I think it was uh, Anvil 
the the corruption in Anvil. Oh no, uh, Kvatch. Yeah. Kvatch. Yeah. Yeah. There were spies in there, and like after like an hour and a half of debate or something like that, so, like. You were suggesting you poison the town's water supply, and I'm like, okay, hold, hold, hold on. <laughs> I don't know how you are planning to root out ten or so spies that are using illusion and trickery to keep themselves rooted in high places of power by poisoning the town's water supply. But I think we're a little far afield, guys. Let's bring it back in. Yeah, you know? and 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 things happen. Players start getting crazy ideas, yeah. and they start spinning. And when their wheels get too far, you've got to be able to pull them back. Uh, yeah, uh, Knox says, like, like Harley Quinn wasn't supposed to be a big character, and yet now she's everywhere. Hey, you go with what the people like. Yeah, her own, yeah I mean, uh, you look at uh, even Critical Role, the obligatory Critical Role mention of the, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, of the thing. Uh, uh, season one, Gilmore. Oh, okay. Uh, Sean Gilmore was a throwaway magic shopkeeper that... Uh, 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 Matt just thought would be interesting if he mm-hmm. was like just flamboyant and fabulous yeah. and man did the party glom onto him mm-hmm. and like he helped them defeat the boss at the end of the campaign like he was there he's a major figure in that in yep. that in that story now you know all right we got another question here uh, uh so Knox and Box asks yes I am guilty of this, uh, but w- what about when players doesn't want a DM to mess with their um, uh, their character's emotions, so they create an unfeeling, friendless orphan, a UFO? I like that kind of thing. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Essentially, an avatar. How do you convince a player that having their character have personal investment to motivate them makes for a more rewarding game experience when that person may have difficulties with their outside influences and change? Uh, would you ask them to explain why their character is a U, F, and O would be a good start? Um, I always think it's good to talk to your players about their characters, especially when they, when their character is, you know, uh, it's trying to be disregarded. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. or, or, or obtuse or what, you know, a sidelined character, regardless of, of what their background or, or connection is with the world. Um, the really serious question is, why are they involved? How can we help make your character want to be involved? Right. Um, why Why is your character here? What is your character's main motivation? If if not to have friends mm-hmm. or feel emotions or anything right. like that, you know, is it money? Right. Is it retribution? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they want to achieve a certain thing for themselves? Are they looking for a specific th- item? Are they a thrill seeker? Yeah, I, I mean that's that's a whole thing, thing you know. Thing, yeah. You know, may, maybe they're they're cold and unfeeling, but they need a rush. Like may, maybe that's a thing for them, and they're like, yeah, yeah maybe I'll go with these people because a I don't trust them, and you know this seems like a pretty dangerous thing to do. So uh, maybe I'll get killed while doing it. That'll be cool. Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, that's definitely your starting point mm-hmm. is find out what their main motivation is, and and that may be something they've they've never thought about before too. Right, like um, you know. It's it's very easy just to like make a make a stat block and just say okay we're gonna go on some adventures but then we start asking why are you going on these adventures like mm-hmm. it may that may have been a bigger question than they thought about well, I mean that's the key to role playing is the difference between a tabletop game and role playing game is that you have a character yeah you yeah. have a motivation to play the game mm-hmm. so if I'm playing Monopoly my motivation is I'm hanging out with my friends. But my character on the board's motivation is question mark. I submit to you that if you're playing Monopoly, you are not amongst friends. Well, that's all questionable too, because it's a you know. I I think you can play competitive games with friends, and some people really enjoy that. I'll just put that out there. Okay. So I mean, if we're playing Pandemic, there we go. You know, and we're all trying to survive. Why is my specific character doing his job? Is not a question that gets asked. Right. But the moment it does, now you're playing a role-playing game. Exactly, exactly. And that's the key difference there. So it is. it does require investment. It does require motivation. And it does require the player working with a storyteller with those motivations, even if they're simple motivations. And and, and honestly, like, I, I, I almost want to say, like, the answer is, like, if, if they can't come up with that, you know, you've got to kind of ask them, like, then why are you here? You know, mm. what 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 are not you... why they are here well no maybe a little bit of both because 
I, I mean, the, the way the way this question is stated is that the player themselves mm-hmm. does not want that character to act as a conduit for emotional connection. Okay. Not because the pl- not because the character is unmotivated, mm-hmm. but because the player does not want the character to become motivated and therefore emotionally attached. Okay. You follow? I'm I'm still following. So I guess the question then is, what is the player trying to get out of this experience? What do they want? They want to listen to a story. And they want to be some part of that story. Okay. They want it, maybe togetherness with their friends yeah. and such like that. Companionship. They want, they want some experience. Mm-hmm. Why are they? Why do they? Why do they want to listen to this story? Why do they want connection with their friends? They like the story. They like the setting. Sure, you know those types of things. These are the background people that we've talked about in 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 our previous show. Where we were talking about the types of players, and they're one of the hardest player types to really get engaged. Yeah, without yeah, yeah, a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I'm just saying, these questions are, the, are hypotheticals. But mm-hmm. it's, it's the road I would kind of take down. Is just like, let's, let's, let's examine what you want. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to get out of this experience. And how I can help give that to you. Yeah. You know, because if you're going to put up walls and stuff like that, you're, you're working against the experience. You're mm-hmm. working against the whole reason that this thing is happening. Mm-hmm. And you're using your character to do that, essentially. As an extension through you. Well, I think you're using your character as a as a wedge, as a block point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're you, you're using your avoiding it. You're avoiding it, and you're using your character to avoid it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you need to have a heart to heart with that player and just be like, what What is it you do want? Mm-hmm. What are you seeking? What, what experience are you, do you want out of this? What are you willing to give to get it to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Because, I, I mean, just 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 like friendships in general, if you never open up. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna have a real experience, you know, mm-hmm. because you're not you're not gonna be open to it when it happens. Yeah, but it takes time. It takes trust. Sure. And I think that I I know I've definitely been in games long ago where it started out very challenging for some players. They weren't invested. They mm-hmm. weren't connected. They wouldn't really role play. They would roll the dice. They would they would do things that their character would do. But other sure, than that, they sure. really didn't have a lot of care in the game until something triggered for them. Mm-hmm. Whether it was an event in game, whether it was a good experience, whether everybody kind of rallied around them or something like that, that turned the tide in their mind. And then they started to open up mm-hmm. and started to enjoy the game at a different level. And that's where things changed. So I think sometimes it's a matter of getting to that experience points with the experience for those players and and before they're willing to open back up yeah, yeah and I've, some people unfortunately don't get to that point have a shutdown because of some horrific experience and walk away from role-playing altogether which i think is terrible yeah that yeah. hurts it no it, it hurts when i hear about that but i mean i think what it really comes down to is good good communication mm-hmm. but and al- being supportive also also though i think there from 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 the storyteller standpoint though there is a certain amount of you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink going mm-hmm. on here too you can you can provide all the favorable conditions for the player you can um you know have conversations with them about their character's motivations and try to cater their experience to providing those so that you can put them in an optimal situation to open up and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. But if they don't take that step forward and open themselves up, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds her. I'm not going to make a direct correlation here, but I am going to say it feels a lot like therapy. Yeah. You can go to a therapist 24 seven, but until you open up to that therapist and start expect, start taking the experiences, you make no progress. Yeah, nothing. Nothing's progress. gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You are literally going to be the same person every time you walk in the door the same way. You've got to trust a little bit, and you've got to open yourself up, and you've got to allow that experience to mingle with you and change you a little bit. Yeah, and then you've got to give back to that experience, mm-hmm. and in that exchange, that's where, that's where all the magic happens. Correct. So, and and. <laughs> Funny enough to to, to quote into uh, some anime uh, like Full Metal Alchemist, you you can't uh, it's oh equal exchange equal, equal exchange yeah yeah you, otherwise it's you not. can't get out what you didn't put in exactly mm-hmm. you know and unfortunately sometimes that's more than you expected sometimes you want your mom back but it costs you an arm and a leg <sighs> or your brother's whole body yeah well you know I mean his soul is still there. <laughs> 
trapped in some armor, which was kind of badass. I really thought he was hilarious. I thought that was so awesome. He looked so menacing, but he spoke with this, like, six-year-old's voice. It was great. He was still a huge badass. That's Mm -hmm. all I have to say. And he was an unbelievable alchemist. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, no. They were were pretty awesome. They were pretty awesome. But again, motivation and drive. There you go. So, um, speaking of which, so next week we are going to be talking about how to make NPCs more lifelike. Yeah. And that's something that I've, I've we've we've brought up a few times through different sessions or through through different episodes uh, where we've kind of graced the edge. Whether we're talking about villains or whether we're talking about monsters, or we're talking about you know shopkeepers or whatever. But we haven't really gone into like how to have a voice or how to factor the physical quirks or what are their motivations. Where do you learn accents from? Exactly. You know? And I I know we both had our own resource sets and they've grown over the years yeah yeah um and it's fun to kind of go back into some of the older ones that that i used before and like look at it and go really did i used to do that (laughs) all right so we're not we're not on um we're not on the topic yet so maybe this is maybe this is an answer for next time but But, i'm just just gonna ask you well well we're kind of fringing on the subject here we've got like a few minutes here do you do you practice npc dialogue in the car when you're alone like just shower Shower? Shower. Yeah. Because Vicky will hear me otherwise. Okay, okay, okay. So I'll do it. I'll do it in the shower, or I'll do it while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Like, or while I'm typing it up, I'll, like, I can hear the voice in my head, and I might whisper it to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put it in phonetically. Okay, okay, As I'm okay. doing it for certain things. Or at the very top, I'll put it in very bold over the text who I'm trying to mimic. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's a, a an actor or a voice actor, or a cartoon character, or something like that, I'll, I'll throw that in, like, read this like Yosemite Sam. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, or, um, you know, uh, read this like, you know, um, like a robot. Or read this with a, with, after, with pauses, as if uh, you're trying to catch your breath, but you haven't been running. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that, so that I can change up things. I'll, I'll definitely do that. See, I've got, I've got a little less freedom than you. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm running an established setting with a, with a, with a long and well-beloved video game franchise behind it. Oh, God, with it. tons of voice actors. With tons fact. of voice acting. So I have to mimic rather than invent. Oh, yeah. And so I have to, like, what's my best Sheogorath impression? You know, ha-ha, was, cheese for everybody! It was you know? great. You did great and, on that. 100% sold it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I have to come up with, like, how to duplicate all these other things. And I know how certain other NPCs talk and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I know mm-hmm. all of my elves have to have a British accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that about some some media where you can always tell, like Warhammer 40k, yeah, is notorious for having uh for having all of the Imperium be righteously. Well, Games you know, Workshop is a British company, though, right? You know, but so th- of course th- they all sound British. Of course they do. Of but course like, they do. Cockney orcs is just the greatest. Oh my god! Oh, you get who's your boss? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Like if you took if you took the you know English Isle, you could actually divide up all of the races you, where you they can. sit. You 100%. can you can you can draw a Warhammer map over. <laughs> Over the English Isles, yeah. Would, I think I'd actually enjoy seeing that. Uh, I think I really would enjoy seeing that. The orcs are from here. The and dwarves, wood elves are from here. The dwarves are from here. Yep. Yeah. No, I could I could 100% totally see that. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. It's fun d- diving into properties and seeing, uh, unfortunately, because of how they get designed and how easy it is to grab actors, that it can sometimes come out a little racist, but it, only in design. Uh, uh, Knox in the box uh, reminds us that all all Matthew Mercer's dwarves are Scottish, <laughs> but you know what though the reason the reason that is is because across the greater the the greater band oh, of God, media yeah. they're all Scottish they're all Scottish like, even we, we were playing Vermintide the other day and he's and, Scottish yeah they're all Scottish oh, yeah. all the dwarves are Scottish ninety percent of all dwarves in in fantasies are Scottish <laughs> all right so let's let's so, wrap this up for the night uh, you right. can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. You can listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us upon Discord.
or join the uh, join the discussion, join the uh, join the live chat for the uh, for the, uh, the 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 shows here. Send us some questions. We'll Please. read them on the air and answer them. Um, you can find that link to our Discord on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members: Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate everything oh, you guys are. Oh, and Sean, yes, yeah, he, he just got added. Um, our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems our intro music is beyond the warrior by geefrog you can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on google music and our outro music which you're hearing right now is only our footprints in the sand by midair machine and a big shout out as always to our families vicky and sean thank you so much for supporting us over uh, over all this time uh all of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you very much and so. every single one of you our listeners we all love you. you so much love you good night good night